We're in week four of our series, The Way of Jesus. And this morning I had titled uh, the message Squirrel, uh, partly just because I want to talk about distractions. And it's not just squirrel, but it's like squirrel. You know, the, the idea of what comes at us as we look away uh, when we're in the middle of something. And we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. But this morning I just want to pose a question as we begin is, you know, how do we live with an uncluttered pursuit of the mission of Jesus? We're going to look at a, a great scripture that I love out of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is such an interesting book, and particularly this chapter of Hebrews. We think of this when it talks about those that have gone before us and the faithful uh, witness that they've made over the centuries to what Jesus has done. And the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been entangled in something. Uh, as soon as I read this, one of the things that came to mind uh, a number of years ago, and I apologize, it's another biking metaphor, but I had come back from Kenya and had taken my old mountain bike and was doing the mountain bike trail uh, down in Loudonville. As, as we came down this crazy hill, it curves around on the downhill and then comes back up. As I came through that, uh, there had been a, a windstorm a couple of days before, and so there was a lot of debris. And unbeknownst to me, there was a tree that was at such an angle. In fact, check out this picture. Uh, it, it actually skewered my bike. And what ended up happening, my bike actually pivoted on that tree trunk, and it ended up throwing me off. And, you know, it, it, that's not fun. You can see, sorry for the bloody picture here, but it, it was not without uh, some pain. And I think all of our lives, sometimes when we think about just how things entangle us, uh, we don't, we go off like I did going down the trail thinking I'd be safe. And the next thing you know, I'm laying on the ground and I, I'm in pain. And yet, uh, I now think that story is sort of funny. And I look at these pictures as I went back to get them, even how much I've uh, matured <laughs> since 2013. Uh, but it, it, the funny, the story's funny now, but it wasn't funny when I fell off the bike sort of connect this to this idea that sin can do the same thing to us, the things in our life that distract us. Yeah, at first we get a handle on it and we think we've got it all put together. And then next thing you know, it, it's because of not paying attention, it skewers us and, and we find ourselves flat on our back. And so we get entangled in the mess. Now, it's interesting when we think about our spiritual journeys and we think about the life that we want to have and the things that distract us. Maybe for you this morning, it's not a sin that's holding you back. I mean, if we bring it back to the text, let's look at it again. It says what? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Which means there's, there are other things than sin that can hold me back from doing the mission of Jesus. Sometimes the things that hinder us from Jesus aren't bad. They aren't sin necessarily. They can actually be good things that fill up our plate and they keep us from doing the best thing. I talked about that last week about not missing the moment. In fact, the takeaway last week was don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. And we talked about the when-then game or, or the what-if game. And when we think about the things that we load our plates up with because we tend to want to be busy. It's this idea that they aren't necessarily bad. And yet at the same time, we've settled for for good when God has called us to do something great. Or maybe uh, for you, it could even be something, um, or maybe it could be that you've been hindered by hurt. 
uh, hurts that you haven't healed from. Maybe there's something that's uh, traumatic that's happened to you. Maybe it's an insecurity or a fear that's uh, holding you hostage. Or maybe it's a label that you've uh, let define you. Or maybe it's unforgiveness, which you still carry from a, a broken relationship. I can say from experience that if you find yourself entangled or you find something's hindering you, that that's not what Jesus wants for you. That's not the life he has in store for you. He, he didn't die for you to be stuck or to be hindered or for your life to be cluttered. He came to set you free. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you the most amazing life uh, possible. Or Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And maybe you're in a place where you're desperate for that freedom, but maybe for you, you're not quite desperate enough yet. You're making it work. You're managing it. You feel like you've got a few things under control right now, and you may have, but there's a storm coming, right? And I can say that with all the energy and time that you are using to handle your sin, if that's what it is, or to nurse your hurt, or even the idea to keep yourself happy, that all of that is energy that you're not using to pursue the mission that Jesus has called you to. That's why we're doing this series on the way of Jesus, to see what was the rhythms of his life, what was it about his journey that we need to model our lives around and after. Because you see, it's really hard to fully follow Jesus when your hands are full. So let me ask you a question. How do we throw off everything that hinders us from the mission Jesus Christ has called us to? I mean, it's the question that's sort of posed here in this reading of Hebrews. James says that we need to confess our sins to God and you'll be forgiven. Confess them to one another and you'll be healed. So ultimately, we find that when we seek help from God, we can also get help from his people. Now, let's think about the story of Lazarus, right? Uh, you roll away the stone and Lazarus is called forth by Jesus from death into life, from darkness into light. And that's something that only Jesus can do, and he does. But here's the problem when we look at the story, is that he's still wrapped up in the grave clothes. And then Jesus actually says, let him go. And they unbound Lazarus, and he's now free to move forward into his calling. So there was some work involved there. It wasn't just simply stood forward and was alive, but he had to take the death rags off. You see, Jesus has given us a new life too, but we're still bound up, if you will, in our grave clothes. I like that analogy. We're still hindered. Sometimes it's the head game we're playing, the words that we've bought into who we are or who we aren't. And yet that's why our community is so important. That's why being together, whether here online or actually in-person worship, how important it is for us to understand who we are together as we build the body of Christ. We can be by our, ourselves and yet when we're together, we can wrestle together and we can help each other move forward into being this fully devoted follower that Jesus is asking us to be. And that's true no matter what your age. Again, back to this question, how do we live with an uncluttered pursuit of God's mission? Well, first of all, according to the scripture we're looking at, throw off everything that hinders. That's where it starts, but that's the beginning. That's not where it stops. Now, as we continue to look here, the author of Hebrews continues writing what? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How do we live in, with an uncluttered pursuit of the mission of God? 
Well, first of all, as we say, we throw off everything that hinders and we run with perseverance. Later on in the same chapter, the author writes about the pain of perseverance. And we all know that, right? Of sticking with it. The author says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. No kidding. Goes on to say, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And it's interesting, actually, there, uh, that statement that make level paths for your feet, he's quoting from the book of Proverbs. So I just want to see here that, you know, this idea of perseverance, it is not something that's easy. In fact, leaning into being a fully devoted follower of Jesus can be very difficult and painful. Even thinking about our Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, as they push into a whole new governmental regime there, it's indeed painful for them. And it really gives maybe some perspective to this for us today. Here's a takeaway for this week. When you're tempted to stop, remember why you started. Let me say that again. When you're tempted to stop, to call it quits, to say I'm done, you need to just pause and remember why it is that you started the race to begin with, whatever that race may be. For all of us, I think this current season we find ourselves in, um, as a church, as a community, the things we're trying to understand, these are difficult times. We really don't have a guidebook on it. We have the, the promises of the Word of God, but there really isn't any kind of unpacking of here's the three easy steps of how to get out of a global pandemic. And so there's all this messiness that we're continuing to push into. And so even again, the reason why taking a moment to say, look, Jesus pushed through difficulties too. What was the way of life that he pursued? And that's why we're looking at this this morning. Is this, and that's why we're looking at this today, this idea of distractions, of what comes be, before us that keeps our mind focused on things that are not of the kingdom. So here's a couple questions that when we're in these moments that maybe are helpful to unpack. And these are really questions maybe to ponder for the week ahead as we think about the season we find ourselves in. What was so difficult about this time? What was so difficult over the last 16, 17 months? And then pause and think about what did you learn through this time? And then even how did you persevere through it? When you think about all of our stories, we think about the people that we interact with on a daily basis. We realize that there is so much yet we need to understand and we know that God's in control, and yet we know that we've learned all sorts of things about the value of our family and about the things we thought we were important. Uh, I know I've learned how to do technology in a way that I hadn't done before. It's a hassle, sort of, yes, but on the other hand, it totally leverages who we are and what we can offer the community. I know the conversations I've had because of people who have watched previous uh, weekend messages that have been available on our YouTube channel. And in fact, in just right now in the moment, would you just let us know who you are uh, this morning and just put it in the chat and say hello and, and just tell us how this ministry uh, online has been helpful to you. And then as we think of all of this, this is just the idea of what we're talking about here is how do we persevere into this? Because when we're tempted to stop and we pause and remember why we started, I mean, even think about the model of Jesus, right? I mean, he's in the garden. And we know there's this moment, this deep, dark night of the soul that he has where he says to his heavenly father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And then just hours later, almost, Jesus is on the cross and he says in a very willing way, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And we know the messiness between those two encounters. 
again, when we look at the way of Jesus and we looked at his, how he pursued his mission, it was by staying focused on what mattered most. He endured the cross by staying focused on the joy set before him, the scriptures tell us. What was that joy? Well, the joy was you, literally, and me, and the church, and the hope of the resurrection, and the renewal of all creation. It's those promises. And so, as I said a couple weeks ago, Jesus, he was walking, ultimately, he was walking in faithfulness to his purpose, which was to go to the cross. And in just a little bit, we're going to celebrate uh, what that means for us today as we remember through the meal of Holy Communion. Back to this question, how do we live with an uncluttered pursuit of the mission of Jesus? Well, as we've said, it's we throw off everything that hinders, and then we run with perseverance. And finally, it's this third point, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Again, the writer of Hebrews says what? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And what does the author say here? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So the question then becomes, you know, what are your eyes fixed on? What has your attention? And you'll see this has been the thread through this whole series. It's just going back and forth, the technology the tyranny of our schedule, just the way that we live life. You know, what is it that has our attention? Because the one thing we all share together is we all get 24 hours. And even as we talked this week in Bible study, it's about the priorities that we have, about the things that we've decided to do now as in order for to allow us to pursue what it is God has for us in the future. So we see when our eyes are fixed on anything other than Jesus, it will inevitably lead us away from him. And when that happens, yeah. Now, it's interesting, again, another cycling analogy here. I've learned that my eyes go where my hands are. When I'm riding my bike, I need to have undivided attention. Otherwise, I'm going to hurt myself and I'm going to get in trouble. I was out with a student riding and they weren't paying attention. They were looking off to the left. And the next thing you know, the bike is upside down on top of them. And so it's that idea that we, as human beings, need to be reminded that unless we fix our eyes on Jesus, we will continually find ourselves frustrated. Again, that's why talking about the way of Jesus. If Jesus knew how to do life, and he did it in 33 years, in fact, he really only did it in three when you think about his ministry, then when we get frustrated with the way our life is going, we need to pause and reflect on how did Jesus want us to live our life. You see, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, he's going to lead us into his way, the way of Jesus. Here's another story from Scripture, right? James and John, they're on the road to Jerusalem. They're two of Jesus' disciples. They're on the inside circle, one would say. They had their eyes fixed on securing the best spots for themselves, not on Jesus. In fact, we know they were so preoccupied with gaining power and position that they actually missed out on what Jesus was doing right around them. Because right before this moment, Jesus had just pulled all the disciples aside to tell them that they were going to Jerusalem so he could die. I think they missed that. Because then what happens is James and John still had in their heads that Jesus was going to show up in Jerusalem and he was going to kick out the religious establishment. He was going to beat up the Romans and defeat them. And then he was going to set up a new government. And they thought with Jesus in charge that that would give them a position of influence. So James and John had their eyes fixed on the mission, not on Jesus's mission. And then they actually came up to Jesus and said, hey, boss, we want you to do whatever we ask. 
Because again, the scripture says, Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. And then they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Their eyes were fixed on what they could get from Jesus, not actually on Jesus. And that's part of the tension. They wanted to sit in the places of honor when Jesus came into his glory. His power, if he were not careful, it can all be all too easy to put more focus on what we want Jesus to do for us than what he wants to do through us. Let me say that again. Sometimes it's too easy for us to put more focus on what we want Jesus to do for us than what we want us to do him do through us. So again, it's at the Last Supper. Jesus reveals to the disciples that all of them are going to abandon him in just a moment. And Simon Peter, he's the, he's the head of the crew, right? He's having none of that. Uh, he pushes back on Jesus saying, even if everyone else leaves you, I won't. And then what does Jesus do? He looks at him and says, truly I tell you, you will disown me three times. And then what does Peter say? He emphatically says, even though I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. Wow. And we know what happens from that. It's just a few hours. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus would be arrested. His followers would run, literally. And Peter would end up denying Jesus three times because Peter's eyes weren't fixed on Jesus. They were fixed on protecting himself. And so Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, would be condemned to death by crucifixion. He would be beaten, mocked, and spit on. A crown of thorns would be placed on his head, and a rugged wooden cross would be placed on his back for him to carry to the hill called Calvary. Now, what's interesting is earlier in his ministry, Jesus told everyone what the cost of following him would be. What? Here in Mark. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Now, for Simon Peter, that cost was too great. So it's interesting here, and I hadn't seen this until preparing this message. There's a new Simon that's called. In fact, it says a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, was passing by his own on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. That was supposed to be Simon Peter. This was what he signed up for, but he took his eyes off Jesus. Now, how many times have we done the same thing? How many times have we took our eyes off of Jesus and missed an opportunity that was supposed to be for us? So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, naked, bloody, and beaten, he was hanging there alone. Well, not quite, because we also know, and we talked about this last week, how there were two others hanging next to him. It says it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews, they crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Now, what's interesting here is where did James and John want to be on Jesus' right and his left? But now, instead of his friends, Jesus is hanging next to two rebels, one on his right and one on his left. So let me go to a little meddling here. What are your eyes fixed on? Are they fixed on Jesus? Or are they fixed on what Jesus can do for you? I mean, like James and John's were. Are they fixed on Jesus' mission? Or are they fixed on comfort and convenience, like Simon Peter's was? I don't know about you, but the truth is, these words confront me, because I know how often I take my eyes off of Jesus and his mission, and I put them on myself. And if not even these men, Peter, James, and John, could keep their eyes fixed on Jesus, then what hope is there for us? I mean, they spent three years with Jesus, 
And here we are some 2,000 years plus later, where none of us have seen him in the flesh. How could we possibly hope to do better? In our modern world, where every distraction is at the tips of our fingers, right? I mean, anything is just a quick Google search or Amazon purchase away. We have one advantage that these men didn't. We know how the story ends. What many would have seen as the darkest day in history was actually the day Jesus came into his glory, into his purpose, into his calling, because Jesus' crucifixion was actually his coronation to become king. It was because of his self-giving sacrifice on the cross that he defeated sin and death and the devil. And because of his resurrection from the dead, his spirit has been poured out on us. It's the resurrection power that now flows through our veins as his sons and daughters. Peter, James, and John, some of the key leaders in the early church, started out as a ragtag bunch of 12 rejects. They would soon dominate the empire that executed their Messiah. Again, you know, what are our eyes fixed on? Maybe your eyes are fixed on getting a promotion at work, or maybe they're fixed on the politics of our nation, or maybe it could be your eyes are fixed on getting something from God. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, when our eyes are fixed on anything other than Jesus, it will inevitably lead us away from Jesus. It's not about the squirrel. It's about focusing on what it is that Jesus did for us and wants to do in and through us. Again, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray.